Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Journey Through Sonship podcast. I am Brother Calvin Calhoun, and today we want to continue talking about understanding salvation. We want to talk about what motivated God in salvation. What motivated God to send Jesus to save us? This is probably one of the most important messages for uh, for us to understand, especially in these days. Uh, the Bible says that in the last days that the hearts of men will wax cold. They'll become hard and callous. And so when we look at the world today, we are seeing that. We are clearly seeing that men's hearts are not warm and compassionate and forgiving. You know, they're cold and selfish. And so what motivates, what's our motivation for accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Well, you have to look at the scriptures, and the scriptures tells us what motivated God to send Jesus for us to be saved. Now, whatever motivates God to send Jesus must be our same motivation in witnessing to those who are lost. But let me tell you something, as much as this message could be for the lost, it's also for many in the church because for many people, the motivation to get saved is not to go to hell. That's wrong. That should not be the motive. That should not be the reason someone accepts Jesus Christ is not to go to hell. No, that's not even the motivation that God sent Jesus with, and that's not, that is not the motivation of the church. So let's look at this scripture real quick. We're going to look at 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John 4, and we're going to look at 17 through 19. It says this, Herein is our love made perfect, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Oh, how I love Jesus. That's the song. Yeah. So when you look at this scripture right here, first thing it says that there is no fear in love. Now, this fear is that scared type of fear. We're not talking about a respect and a reverence. We're talking about being scared. There is no fear in love. Why? Because what? Fear has torment. But look what God says. God says, perfect love cast out fear. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Remember that they what? They made aprons for themselves. And what did they do? They hid themselves. And we told you that that mindset was changed in the garden from being a spirit being in flesh to being what? A fleshly carnal being. So fear is a weapon of the enemy. Fear was installed into man when he sinned in the garden. Okay? But but when God sends Jesus, he doesn't send him to scare us into salvation. No. He says what? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. So the, though the devil installed what? Uses sin and fear to, to try to oppress you. God uses love. Everybody look at the gospel of John. We're going to look at chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse number 15. It says this, 
this speaks of anyone who accepts Jesus Christ, says this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do we see this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God is sending us, and as believers, what should motivate us, and the message is God's love for us. We remember, those of us who have been born again and we're sons of God, we remember how wayward we were before God called us into his body, back home, into his house. We remember those times. We remember that. And God loved us in our wrongness. And still called us home. And every person on earth that has breath in their body has an opportunity to come home to the house of God. It's just a matter of who God sends and the word that he sends with them. But the motivation cannot be fear. It cannot be based in fear. It cannot be based on scaring people because of hell. Because then once they're in the house because of that reason, they live legalistically. They live trying to worry about do's and don'ts instead of just living through a relationship with Holy Spirit. We're not called to fear, but we're called into relationship. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you that for those of us who are doing ministry, everything we do must be based out of of love. If God sends Jesus in the manifestation of his love, then as sons, he's sending us in the same manner, and that is the way that we must come. We must come in love. Let me tell you, it's so easy. I, I remember the, the you know the revival times and all those types of things. And people would just, you know, it's nothing wrong with condemning sin at all. No, we should condemn sin. But we know how we were. And God so loved us. We got to extend that same love. And love right now is getting a, I mean, the devil's doing a heck of a job redefining love. But the Bible says this, greater love has no man than this, than one that lays down his life for his friend. And so that means I give up the rule of myself and what I desire to do so that someone else may Live. So, when we talk about the motivation of love, that means when we share the word of God, we got to share it from the heart of love, from the heart of compassion and understanding that God is calling a son home. I think about the prodigal son, how when he came back to his father after being in the world, the father was so happy to see his son. He ran out to him, to greet him. 
And though the son wasn't in the mindset to believe that he was still a son, he just wanted to come back and be a servant just so he can have bread and shelter, which is a picture of provision and protection, because that's what fear does. It makes you focus on what you need and how to protect yourself. Okay? But see, the problem with that mindset, for those of us who may not understand the culture of the orphan, the problem with that mindset is what you're willing to do. It's what you're willing to do to get provision and protection. Adam and Eve had everything prepared for them. God was their provision. God was their protection. But when they sinned in the garden, they felt the need to provide for themselves. That's the apron and fig leaves. And then what? They hid themselves. They sought to protect themselves. And the sad thing is they tried to protect themselves from the very one that created them and from the very one that truly, truly loved them. But when we, when we begin to witness to people, it must be witnesses in our love because guess what? When someone accepts Jesus Christ, they are baptized into love. Think about that. God is love. And if we're baptized into the spirit of God, into the spirit of Christ, we're baptized into his love. And we become one with him. And when we become one with him, we're supposed to be the visible manifestation of his love in the earth. I look at the gospel, I look at Jesus' journey um, in his three years of ministry. And you notice who Jesus woes a lot? He woes the religious leaders. He woes them. Because they used the law, they used the scriptures to control people, not to empower them. They used the law of Moses to heap glory to themselves. They used the law of Moses so that their names can be shouted amongst the people and not the name of Jehovah. That's what religious people do. They're insecure in their identity. So instead of truly loving the flock, instead of caring for the flock, instead of ministering to the flock, they desire to be seen and be popular and and be lauded in the streets by the people. They lived for the glory of men. But Jesus woe them. Why? Because he was not only were they locking themselves out of the kingdom, but they were locking others or they were preventing others from coming in also. Why? Because they were leading the people astray. Sin is sin. But we must be the visible manifestation of God's love to people. And when we are, we're able to speak against the sin, but not speak against the sin from a a position or a mentality of condemnation, but from a message of love and reconciliation, speaking against the hurt and the trauma that they have fallen onto before they've accepted Jesus Christ. Look, it said this in verse 18, John 3, 18, it says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. It says this, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So they're already going through a rough time. They're already condemned. But it says, if they believe on his name. 
And all of us have really hit some rocky times lately. But guess what? We see God's love. And if we know God loves us for his name's sake, guess what? He says that we seek righteousness, right positioning, and seek his rule over our lives, then all these things shall be added to us. All these things shall be added to us. The Lord will provide for us. If he clothes the, li- clothed the lilies in the field, how much more will he clothe us? But that's because he loves us. And all of these testimonies, tes- testimonies in the scripture testify to how he loves us and how he is calling us to him by because he loved us. For God so loved the what? world, a world that still hated his son. But yet his son put down the rule over his own life for the will of the father that each and every one of us have an opportunity to accept him as Lord and Savior and believe that God raised him from the dead and come back home to our heavenly father and be one with him. Our motivation must be love. It must be because we love people. If it's not because of your ministry has to be founded in love. So many people don't want to come to the church because all they hear is condemnation and judgment. Unrighteous judgment, that is. So they don't trust people in the quote-unquote church. But you know what? God has the sons out there in the the grassroots, in in the fields. And guess what? We're preaching. We're teaching. We're living. And people are being saved. People are being saved. I'm not saying they can't be saved in a four-wall building. Yes, they can But the ministry is not in the quote-unquote building. The ministry is out in the world. He sends us out. But your heart for what you do, the motivation for what you do, has to be love. It has to be love. I'm going to stop right there for this message right here. And when when we come to the next message, which will be part three, we're going to show you in the scriptures why you are saved. Why and how does God save you? So I urge you to continue studying with us. I love you all. God bless you. Till we meet again on the Journey Through Sonship podcast. God bless you.